Every team, every topic, everywhere. This is Believe. I'm your host, Shrinku, and this is episode 185. We are done. The Knicks season is finally over, and they won their last game of the season. They won their last two, as predicted. Uh, they beat the Raptors tonight 30, uh, to go to finish 37-45. Emmanuel quickly and Obi Toppin had monster games. Uh, it was fun to see them show out, uh, and we're going to talk about that. We're going to talk about the Knicks season, but to talk about to talk through that with me i'm joined as always by my co-host stacy that's at stacy patton 89 stacy how are you doing doing pretty well man um bittersweet you know you saw everything you wanted to see too late but you know yeah uh yeah i mean it is what it is it's frustrating um but yeah we will we will discuss all of these things but before we get started I do have to mention that Strickland does have a Patreon. You can subscribe to it. There's a number of, there's a number of tiers. There's a $6 tier that gets you access to Pod Strickland every Friday that I host with Prez. Uh, you also get access to the weekly mailbag that I do every other week, uh, I should say. So the other weekly mailbag uh, that I do with Jeremy and Drew. You also get access to the Strickland Discord where you can talk about the Knicks all the time. And even though the season is over, the Discord never sleeps. Uh, we will be talking about the Knicks all off season, I am sure. There's a nine dollars here that gets you access to weekly articles by the wonderful Matthew Miranda and Jack Huntley, two of the best Knicks and basketball writers in the business. Uh, less importantly, you get access to my solo podcast, Strick and Roll, uh, where I yell about the Knicks uh, even more than I already do on Pod Strickland. Uh, there are further tiers. There's a $15 tier, $30 tier, $50 tier, and a $100 tier. Those get you access to a variety of various different benefits, like live watch parties that we host in the Discord, uh, listening in on pod recordings, even potentially hosting a podcast one day with yours truly, but whether you choose to subscribe or not, your support is appreciated. None of this would be possible without you. So without further ado, let's get started. Um, I'm just going to say a few things. I I didn't take much from this game. I mean, it was don't get me wrong. It was great to see Obi play amazing and quickly play amazing. And they played like stars. I mean, and I know that they weren't exactly playing frontline starters that the Raptors had. It was but, really just Siakam, though. Siakam and FPV were out. But, yeah, like, it wasn't... This wasn't like the Wizards game. It wasn't like the No, Wizards no, game. it wasn't that. Yeah, it wasn't that bad. And also, like, Barnes didn't play too much in the second half. It's not a big deal. The point being is, when you get matchups like this, that's when you want to see your guys handle business. And they handled their business. Um, and they handled it in spectacular fashion. Um, so, I just think it, it was really good to see that. I'm happy to see that. And 
it really just drives home how absurdly shitty to me Tibbs has coached this season. I, I, I hate, I hate ending the the season on this note where like it could be seen as a positive, and the state sponsored propaganda of Madison Square Garden Company uh, that Breen and Clyde were spouting off tonight was out of control about, oh, well, the young players developing and Tibbs is, you can't judge us. Tibbs is going to go to the fucking drawing board and figure things out. Like, shut the fuck up, okay? Just shut the fuck up. I'm so sick and tired of having to hear this shit because the people we, I know me, I know you, I know many, many other Knicks fans, Maybe it wasn't at the start of the season. Maybe it wasn't even a month into the season. But by January, I think mo- so many of us were like, play these young guys more. Play them more. They are better than your other options. They will help you win games if that is truly your endeavor. And you will get more benefit out of it in the sh- in the long term, for sure, simply by giving them game reps to develop. Um, and... You didn't do it. You didn't do it. There's a fucking thousand excuses trotted out for why you couldn't do it. Oh, we're trying to win games. We're not just trying to tank and develop and all this other fucking horse shit that people learned to spout off about. And all those people should shut the fuck up. They should all shut the fuck up for a while because I don't want to hear it. They were wrong then. They are wrong now. And they will continue to be wrong because they would rather defend the shitty asinine, pathetic, cowardly, gutless coaching performance of Tom Thibodeau this season. Absolutely pathetic, gutless coaching by him. He deserves zero credit for this season. Absolutely none. He has been a fucking piece of shit coach this year. Terrible. I can't, I don't care. I don't watch, I don't dive into the numbers and study the other 29 teams in the NBA. If you can find me another coach who underachieved so thoroughly with the roster he was handed, with the talent at his disposal, with the players performing as they were, I would be shocked. And blaming it on, oh, it's hard to manage Julius Randle. I really want to hear you. Sorry, keep. can you finish? I I have like an ancillary thing about another team. I think you can suspect who it is. But I want to compare it to another team. But go ahead. I just, the the Julius Randle excuses. Yeah, Julius sucked. Okay, he was terrible this year. We all agree that. Guess what? You didn't have to play him 35 and a half minutes a night. That's a fucking choice. What that is and is do a you choice. Think, do you think 35 and a half versus maybe 30 and giving Obi those extra five, six minutes would have made a huge difference? In terms it's of not. Losses? And I know you're not saying this, but I need to make this clear. Because I've had so. This has been another. Oh, well, he couldn't just bench Randall and play Obi more because Randall was all NBA last year and blah, blah, blah. And they fucking made a bunch of excuses today about this, too, on MSG, right? Oh, it is not a binary choice. You are allowed to play. If you think Julius Randall absolutely has to play 35 and a half minutes because he's Julius Randall. He was All-NBA last year. He was All-Star. He was your best player. You say he's Julius Randle like he's LeBron James. You know, like, don't you? Yeah. you know? If, I know if, you're not saying that. Yeah. But, I'm saying but if, if, if that is what Tibbs feels, so be it. It is inexcusable that Obi Toppin is going to close this season averaging less minutes per game than Nerland Noel and Todd Gibson. I know they don't play the same positions necessarily, but here's the thing. Tibbs makes you think this way. The way he coaches makes you think this way. 
That is not how it works. You can play Julius Randle and you can play Obi Toppin together. That is a fact. We saw it. The first game of the season, he had to do it because uh, Mitch was Mitch was the only healthy center. Taj and Nerlens were out. And Jericho Sims was not this version of Jericho Sims. He was very, very green. and Yeah, clearly, I think we'd all agree that. Too so, and, and guess what? Obi played great. He played great with Julius. He learned nothing from it. Tibbs learns nothing from it because he believes his preconceived notions are right. His preconceived ideas are correct. And there is no deviating from it unless absolutely forced to by circumstance. And that is how you get to this point where he was literally using Obi as a 12 to 15 minute per night guy purely to spell Julius Randle. And that was it. Gutless, pathetic coaching. I think how defensive he's gotten in post-game press conferences lately when discussing uh, after quickly, but especially Obi's big games, is very telling. Um, you know, after that Miami game where they made that huge comeback, he had this whole fucking thing about how, like, you know, we don't look at the numbers. He had some other bullshit today about how he's talking, oh, well, you know, I'm amazed, like, I watched the game three times, and then I studied the stats, and, you know, I feel like I could then have an educated opinion. Well, guess what? Your opinion is fucking stupid, fat piece of shit. Um, like, I don't know what to tell you other than that. Because you did stupid shit all year, you coach like an asshole, and as a result, a team that, in my opinion, do I think the Knicks were some guaranteed lock for the playoffs? Nah, but we're Charlotte level. Like, sorry. We, this is, this is, what, this is a play-in team. This is, this is, like, I cannot stress this enough, but I... I we're certainly this. not five games out of a play-in team. No, and, right? and I, 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 yeah, and I, 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 I've been saving this. I've been saving this. I've, I've mentioned this to a few people, but I've been saving this for the pot because I desperately wanted to mention this. Um, and I think you'll enjoy this, Stacey. Uh, I have I have a stat for you, okay? Here's the stat. The Knicks have, coming into tonight's game, they had a minus 0.2 net rating, okay? That expected win-loss is a four, coming into tonight is 40 and 41. The Knicks were 36 and 41 coming in. Or sorry. Yeah, the Knicks were 36 and 45 coming tonight. They were four wins behind what their point differential was. But can now, I can I ask you no, a no, question? Hold on, hold on, hold on. Hold on. Okay, yeah, go. The Bulls, our lovely Chicago Bulls, the team that we love so much in this podcast. What we're if so I were, bullish on them? Yeah. Yes. What if I were to tell you they, the masters of the offseason, you know, the organization that did things the Knicks totally should have done and were eons and leagues and all kinds of measurements above them. What if I were to tell you they had a worse net rating than the Knicks this year? Is that something you might be interested in? <laughs> hey, don't be a smartass. <laughs> it's minus, minus, they had a minus 0.5 net rating. They actually have an expected win-loss coming into tonight's game. Uh, they had an expected win loss of thirty nine and forty two, worse than the Knicks. But because of probably well, well, this is where I would say it. Is it because of randomness? Because our good friend Seth Part now, who has both come on the pod and been very critical of Tibbs, but also said, you know, Knicks fans should have 
realize that they were going to do what they did last season. Nobody wants. Uh, I'm not expecting. Is it, them to do how, what they did I mean, can, how much can you put it on random? And I'm not saying you cannot put it on Tibbs. What I'm saying is, I think that's an interesting discussion to have because friend of the pod, Vivek Dadanya. We haven't. Have we had him on here? Yeah, we have. Had, yeah, we have had him on. Uh, but Vivek posted a really good thread, uh, and I think from at, especially after I talked to him. It seems like this was a pain in the ass to pull. To sh- so shout out to Vivek. You know, this is awesome that you pulled this, but this is not a new phenomenon with uh, with Tibbs. Um, he, so I'm going to read this thread. Um, it is a long thread, so bear with me for a second. But um, so they blew 18, They sorry, not 18, sorry, not 18, 8 15 plus point leads. So the Knicks have blown Eight times they have been up by 15-plus points and lost. That is the worst in the NBA. The Sixers have seven, but eight is the difference between a play-in squad and exit. Um, Vivek's argument is that actually this is not a new thing with tips. Uh, The Wolves in 2016-2017, I I know they had Cat. I don't know if they had Jimmy yet, but they blew 22 double-digit leads. Um, it was a reason that those teams couldn't maintain a higher seat. And so, um, you know, if you look at, and, and he also puts in perspective, the Magic had the worst offensive rating this season of, of anyone in the league at 103.7. Of those twenty, of those forty-five losses that the Knicks have had, twenty-two of them featured seven second halves where the offensive rating was less than one hundred three point seven. So, I mean, um, you know, you're a very, you know, you're savvy. You 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 are the guy that will talk to both the Seth partners of the world and then you know the ball don't stops the world. Um, do you? How much do you think luck? And randomness mitigates the blown loss part of that because I think that that's obviously the biggest thing. Is None. why were they Absolutely. not thirty nine? Not not at all. Okay, none because what did he control that he could control? Like luck and randomness. Well, three, play. three. It's threes, right? Like, but like, but like, a you, lot of threes. But you play shitty players more than better players. That's not fucking luck or randomness. That's your fucking choice as a coach. And he did that repeatedly over and over and over and over again. It is his choice not to experiment. It is his choice not to play Obi Top in more minutes. It is his choice to not start Emmanuel Cooper the entire season. It is a fucking choice to start Alec Brooks a point guard after a failed experiment of Kevin Walker, which is more on the front office than the coach. But guess what? And actually I don't think I'll, it's on I don't think it's on the front office, by the way. But it's 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 not it's on the front office that Kemba was so like if, if it lasted ten games, it's on the front office. Beyond that, uh, that's what I'm saying. They, unless I, I agree if we that. get intel, if we get intel that they actually forced him to do that, no, they didn't. They clearly didn't because he benched Kemba and he only brought him in because of. Well, why did he bring COVID him back? Absence. Is the question, right? Well, that's COVID the absence. The COVID COVID absence happened. He had a really good stretch, and then Tibbs, because he's actually not this tough like disciplinarian and is really just a coward to veteran players. As soon as Kemba had a really good stint, he he did not want to bench him again because, as we know, the way he handled the initial benching did not go over well in the locker room, and I don't think he wanted to deal with that again. So it is what it is. So you're not is putting this. that on Leon 
I I am in, on your side. To no, be clear, not, yeah, just I'm to not. make just to, to make my point, you also do not think that the Kemba situation or quote unquote not having a point guard is on t- uh, is on the front office really. I think they gave him a point guard. His name is Emmanuel Quickly. He I think they gave him pretty well, but I yeah. know you're not a deuce believer yet. But I think I, they gave I, him I, I mean I, I I'm like I'm more sympathetic to the idea of like Tibbs feeling deuce isn't ready. And maybe he's not ready. I don't know. I I, I don't have a good feel. I, I don't feel comfortable enough to like. But given what we know of how we suited the other play, he didn't think Grimes was ready. Then yeah, Grimes but I don't, was. I, but I'm, not, I'm not. But I'm not. I'm not disagreeing with that point. All I'm saying is like I'm less apt to just use that to criticize him. Whereas Emmanuel quickly already had a season under his belt of being a high level quality NBA rotation player, and. Yeah. In that season, he had shown that, yes, does he need work as a point guard? Absolutely. But he had 100% shown that he is capable of operating in that capacity for stretches at the very minimum. Obviously, he's taken a step up in a massive way. What he had 34, 12, and 10 again tonight, two triple doubles in the last three games or whatever the fuck it is. Just playing, he's just clearly taking a step up. But the point is, they gave him a point guard. He didn't want to use him as a point guard. He didn't, tr- and here's, here's, here is, why I give absolutely no credit to Tibbs, and and I have zero patience for any fucking leeway for this guy. He came into the season, and think about this: Emmanuel quickly is a twenty-one-year-old player. Did whatever he did last season. I think you know we can disagree. I mean, I don't think we, me and you, disagree on this. But like people can disagree on how good he was as a rookie. But he was a damn good rookie. Okay, when you have a player who's twenty-one years old and they're first in the NBA who already establishes himself at the level that quickly did. As a coach, if your talent ID is telling you he should come back the next season and you should use him in the exact same role with no concept and no benefit of the doubt of like him developing and progressing further as a player and you don't really give it an opportunity and you don't want to give it an opportunity – that reflects shitty on you as a coach. And that is what Tibbs did. If you look at how he played, right, what did he do to start the year? Nothing changed. Nothing changed. All that changed is that we swapped out the starting backcourt for two guys. Everything else was the same. Quickly was still playing as an off guard next to Rose. Rose was the guy handling the ball all the time. He was running the show. That's it. Burke, it's it. He had no plan or vision of like, okay, we quickly did this last year. How can I, how am I going to get even more out of him now? He didn't want him to, he didn't want him to be more. He just wanted him to be the same guy he was last year. Same with Obi. He was happy probably last year that Obi wasn't immediately some impactful player because he could just easily slot him in for his, you know, 10 to 15 minutes behind Julius just to give him a rest. And that was that. And this year, those guys came back. Because they're young players, and this happens sometimes with young players, and I know that us as Knicks fans have trouble kind of appreciating this. Young players get better. That happens. Those guys came in, they were better. They were ready to do more. Tibbs had no fucking conception in his in his brain about this. He he never it never even you know flashed in his mind. And the only reason, the absolute only reason quickly got a bunch of point guard reps this year is because of injuries. And because Kemba Walker got sent home after All-Star break. That's it. That's the only reason. That is the only reason. He deserves absolutely zero credit. Absolutely zero credit for this recent run of games that quickly's got. 
And that's not because I think he's a bad development coach. We've talked about this a bunch. I don't think he's a bad development coach. I think he's terrible at trusting young players to progress and develop. And he has struggles to adapt his preconceived notions for what players are currently doing versus what he believes they should be doing or would be doing and adjusting. He does not adapt. And it was no more obvious. It, it was so hilarious today. It's like, we started quickly today. Why? Why did we start quickly? It wasn't because it was, well, he's playing so well, we should just at least try this. No, no. The only reason quickly started today is because RJ Barrett got hurt. That's it. That's the only reason he started today. And then you compare that to the team we played, Toronto Raptors. They finished season 40 and 34. They're the five seed in the East. Think about how much they experiment. They experiment so much. This fucking guy, Nick Nurse, let his assistant coach the game today because it's a meaningless game that meant nothing. He let him coach the game out today and just kind of have that experience. That is the difference between Tom Thibodeau and a guy like Nick Nurse. Like, that is... There, there's no... I don't think any Raptors fan, for better or worse, no Raptors fan would tell you Nick Nurse didn't try something. You know? He he, he might not try it as much as you want. He might not do everything that you like. He tries fucking damn near everything. You compare that to the Knicks. What did we try this year? Like, honestly, what did we actually try this year? Not shit. We didn't try anything. We started Kemba because, which is fine. I understand why we started Kemba. Derrick Rose got hurt. So Burks became the backup point guard, effectively. Once Kemba was done, all we did was put Burks at starting point guard and quickly became the backup point guard. And that was that. That's the sum total of our experimentation this year. Oh, and Jericho Sims got minutes the last 15, 20 games of the season. That's it. That is the sum total of what this roster with these players experimented with with this fucking coach. And that is unacceptable. It's unacceptable, it's pathetic, it's cowardly, it's gutless, all of that. It is awful coaching. He has done a bottom five job this year. He should. He is so lucky that he is allegedly safe and that he will be back next year. Because any level of scrutiny on the performance he did this year would reveal how absolute trash it has been. Absolute trash. Garbage. He does I, not deserve a job. He's lucky to have one. And I and the people that want to sit there and defend him, they all need to shut the fuck up and just be happy that their fucking savior and hero still has his job. Because he doesn't deserve it. And what he did with Obi Toppin's minutes this year was criminal. Like that alone, I don't I don't think this is an overstatement. That alone is a fireable offense. It's it's unacceptable. It is so piss poor that I can't. It drives me nuts. So I'm just gonna shut up now. Yeah, I mean, I definitely agree on Obi. Um, I guess the other question would be, um, I mean, going forward. So you know, if we talk about the press conference that happened today. With Leon Rose and that was in press conference, an interview with Leon Rose and Mike Breen. I'm surprised. I it's just it was just shocking that Leon didn't 
reveal all of the uh, organization's plans. No, you know? no, of course not. <laughs> but you try to glean. That is what we are here for: is to glean whatever we can try to. And um, he praised both Randall and Tibbs. I personally, and this is now for all the listeners, you're relying now on my Leon Rose press conference data mining skills versus just taking what you what you hear. So you know, take that with a grain of salt. But um, you know, it definitely seemed like he was he acknowledged all of the things that Randall was bad at, and then said Randall wants to stay, which is not as that he did not say I want Randall to stay. He did not say that. Um, with Tibbs, he seemed to be more effusive. Do you see, you know, if we're reading the tea leaves, the you know the tea leaves, do you see the end situation of this being Randall? Like, if we had to put odds on three different outcomes, both of them come back, Randall and Tibbs. Randall leaves and Tibbs stays, or um, they both go. Um, I don't think there's a situation where Tibbs leaves and Randall stays, but if you think that's a, an outcome, you can. But I think there's really there's really three outcomes here, right? What would you put the odds on all of those on? Because I think from what I heard today, it sounded like they're trying to keep Randall's value up. They don't want him to leave with hard feelings, but you know, it's very clear what the ceiling of the team is to them with him here. Um. Yeah, Randall's got to go. He's got to go. I, I don't. I mean, so I'm not asking if he has to go. I think we agree on that. I, I think. Do I you think, think that Leon Rose, after today, and I don't know if today changes your view on it, but do you think that is what the front office is thinking? Uh, I, I mean, look, this is just my opinion. Um, I think. They know. I think they they will want to move it. Um, now, the only scenario where I think that they would maybe be okay with keeping him and comfortable with it is if there was an understanding of like Randall is going to stay, but we are going to play him and Obi together a bunch this year. That is like a non negotiable just. That's what we're going to do. Um, is Tibbs the coach for that? No, we already know that, right? We just I just yelled about it for about seventy eight minutes. Um, but that's the only scenario where I think Randall comes back because otherwise, I just I, I don't see it. Uh, and I'll say this: um, if they do bring Tibbs back, I mean they are going to bring Tibbs back. I'm pretty confident about that. Uh, if they bring him back and they also bring back Randall, they should get killed for that because there's no way Tibbs is going to adjust. There's not, like you're talking about at max, the most I could see him do is like cut Randall Randall's minutes to 32 a night, and Obi gets the other 16. And every once every two three weeks, you'll get an Obi and Randall together lineup sighting. That's it. Like I. If that is what they think is okay, then they should probably be fired because that's awful. Like, you drafted this kid eighth overall, okay? I understand that Randall had an amazing season last year and that affected decision-making, 
Because I do think that the plan was initially we'll move Julius in time. Um, that changed the calculus. But their initial read was probably right. I think their initial read was right, that Obi was a replacement for the inevitable departure of Lewis Randall. And they should go back to that. And if they can get neutral value for it, so be it. I don't care. I, I'm not that interested in winning a Julius Randall trade. If he goes somewhere else and kills it, good for him. More power to him. His time in New York is up. It is over. Um, Obi, put, like, the way Obi plays is the way you should want this team to play moving forward. And it not only gets the best out of him, and it unlocks so much. Uh, it, it, it opens up the flow of the offense so much. And that's not even getting into the defense stuff, which, like, you know, there was this whole idea that, like, Obi couldn't play more because starters would kill him or something. And, like, you know, I just haven't seen any evidence of that this year, especially. Like, he can play. He can play. Let the guy play. Um, and I, defensively, he's been a lot better than Julius this year, like not even close. Um, so I don't know if I answered your question, but I, I just – I I think the front office will move Randall. Um, I think that's the most likely scenario is that we get Tibbs back and Randall's on. I don't think there's any scenario where both are both are gone. But I guess uh, the question I would have is like, is Obi the the bellwether for that, or maybe that's not the right term? But is Obi the biggest reason for that? Um, partially. I mean, I just think you can see how much better the pieces on the team work together without Julius. Like all of a sudden, the team goes from being this kind of like disjointed mess to playing with a lot more connectivity and togetherness. Um, guys sharing the ball more. I mean, look, like I know that Evan Fournier has a lot of haters and cr- critics, and, and not necessarily undeservedly. Um, he does. He is a very bizarre player in terms of his decision-making. Um, but like even him, and, and I just think you can see how much he even benefits from that. When there's more flow, and I, I just I can't shake it anymore. Like I just I, I haven't seen Julius show any adaptability to adjust his play style. Um, and you know, yeah, like he puts up twenty ten and five, which Leon and Tibbs both mentioned. But like, can I just say? I mean, Leon Leon should mention that. Yeah, they should mention. If it. Leon was had the same mindset as us. I would want him to mention that, so I'll say that right now. Yeah, he he should. Yeah, I, I didn't, I didn't, and honestly, I didn't have a problem with Tim saying it either because I just know that like, what what value is there in, in? There's always value in praising your own players, even if you're bullshitting. So I didn't really care about that, but like, yeah, he puts up twenty ten and five, but like, he has the ball a shit ton, so of course he's gonna put up some numbers. But what is he elevating? What is the totality of his performance? And last year, you know, I'll be honest. I think you 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 raised this a bunch last year. Where you were like, I'm not sure. Like, Randall's play style actually can scale next to another star or whatever. And obviously, the Knicks don't necessarily have another star yet. Um, 
you know, hopefully Arjun develops into one or quickly or top in or whatever. But you do get what I mean. They don't have another star yet. But like, I think we saw all of your concerns manifest this year as soon as the shot making did not happen at the same level. Um, and ultimately the shot making is key for him because of how he plays, because of how he disrupts an offense, at least in New York, in his time in New York, with how much he wants to hold the ball and jab step and ISO and take his time and all these things. Like he, he, his individual production is not a meaningful thing. It doesn't matter to be completely honest. Like, yeah, of course he gets numbers because he has some ball so goddamn much and because he's blowing up the offense so consistently. Um, I don't care what Obi averages. I just know that what I watch the Knicks do when Obi's on the floor versus what I've been watching them do with Julius on the floor for two of three seasons in, in his time in New York is Obi is so much better to watch from a aesthetic standpoint and from sure. I mean, even in, uh, if you're an effective standpoint, I mean, guys, it, it just changes so much the offense to, to have a guy who processes and makes decisions with the speed and consistency that Obi does. Um, Whereas I think what you see with Randall is a guy who has, he probably has much more natural talent than Obi does uh, in a lot of ways, but struggles so much to bring that to bear in a way that elevates the collective around him. Um, And he did it last year, but even if he wanted just that, I don't like diminishing what he did last year. So I hope this isn't interpreted in that way, but like so much of what he did last year was dependent on his shot making. Not so much that he was, you know, elevating the collective group to a high degree on the offensive end, at least. The way he elevated the team was through his shot making. Uh, Obi's a different, different type of player. I think he really connects pieces of the team together, creates an offensive flow. I think he's a really, really important player for this team moving forward. Um, and unique in a lot of ways for, for them. Yeah, I mean, I think there's two things that Randall is better at, at on offense. That's isolation scoring. Sorry, uh, uh, overall. So on offense, it's isolation scoring. He's better. He has a better. He's better ball handler. Um, I don't think he's a better finisher, but the ball handling gives him more opportunities. I I'm not even sure I'm willing to say he's a better shooter right now. Um, but on offense, he's better. He's a better shot creator, and on defense, he's better at switching than Obi. But on defense, is the easiest one to debunk because, I mean, we've heard it so many times. Effort matters the most, and Obi makes mistakes. He gets beat. We've never seen a play from Obi Toppin where he wasn't giving his best, and I've seen very few plays from Randall where he was. And on top of that, Obi actually, because of his length and athletic ability, is actually better at contesting shots at the rim, which is a narrow skill set because, like, I think a defending pick and roll, you would still rather have Randall than Obi, but as a weak side shot blocker, it's it's Obi. And so if it's even debatable, and like, so it's a debatable on defense, and I think in terms of a team concept with other good defenders, I take Obi. 
because I can rely on him to always do his job. And then on offense, the thing is, like, if you if you are asking that player to be the primary shot creator, yeah, Randall is better. But is there a good team where Randall is the primary shot creator? No. So if you're asking the person to mostly be a role man, an off-ball guy, a play finisher, it's tough to argue on Sobe. Like, I, I, I'm not even sure I can say that he... He's a worse three-point shooter than Randall, and if he's not worse at that, I think he's better at finishing. I think he's better at the only thing he's not as good at is ball handling. But because he makes so much, so much, so many quicker decisions off the pass, like when he is used off ball, if you use both of them off ball, I still think Obi's going to be better because Randall has better handle, like you know, off the short roll. But Obi can do everything else. I. Look, I, I agree with a lot of that, and we're going to get back to that, but I do have to say something. The NHL season has been packed with dirty dangles, hat-tricks, and big wins. As the action rolls on, DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NHL, has your shot to win big two. New customers can bet just $1 on any team and get $150 in free bets if they win. That's right, a bump in the win column for your team means free bets for you. If Sportsbook isn't available in your state yet, you still have a shot to light the lamp. Everyone can play for huge cash prizes with DraftKings Daily Fantasy con- fantasy Hockey Contest. DraftKings is giving all new customers a free shot and millions of dollars in total prizes with their first deposit. Download the DraftKings Sportsbook app now. Use promo code THPN. Bet just $1 on any NHL team and get $150 in free bets if they win. That's promo code THPN at DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NHL. 21 plus restrictions apply. See show notes for details, which I'm going to read to you now, and I probably shouldn't have read that part. All right. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem, crisis counseling and referral services can be accessed by calling 1-800-GAMBLER, 1-800-426-2537. That's in Illinois, Indiana, Michigan, New Jersey, Pennsylvania, West Virginia, and Wyoming. You can call 1-800-NEXT-STEP in Arizona, 1-800-522-4700 in Colorado or New Hampshire, 888-789-7777, or visit http ccpg.org slash chat. Uh, that's in Connecticut, 1-800-BETS-OFF, Iowa, 1-877-770-STOP, uh, and that or text seven eight seven eight six seven for LA eight seven seven eight Hope NY or text Hope NY four six seven three six nine New York. Visit opgr.org. That's in Oregon. Call or text Tennessee Redline one eight hundred eight eight nine nine seven eight nine for Tennessee or one eight eight five three two thirty five hundred for Virginia. Must be twenty one plus or eighteen and over in New Hampshire and Wyoming physically present in Arizona, Colorado, Connecticut, Illinois, Indiana, Iowa, Louisiana, Michigan, New Hampshire, New Jersey, New York, Oregon, Pennsylvania, Tennessee, Virginia, West Virginia, Wyoming. Minimum $5 deposit required. Eligibility restrictions apply. See, see HTTP DraftKings.com slash Sportsbook for details. And, and I just think like the isolation scoring part of it, and I, you basically touched on this, but like, there's a certain threshold you have to hit for that superiority to matter, right? Like, if Randall is a better isolation scorer, but he sucks at isolation scoring like he has this year, it doesn't really matter, right? Um, and, yeah, that's just... 
I and like you said, like the effort thing with Obi is just so it's so obvious. Like that that's the thing that really sucks, is it's so obvious. Um well, look, we've talked about Obi a lot and he look he well, was I'll awesome. ask one more question, right? Are there any doubts in your mind that he could you know, he does he has his thing where he runs constantly, he doesn't let up for a second. Do you think if he did have to play thirty plus minutes, he'd be able to sustain that? Obi. Um maybe. I, I don't know. I, I didn't watch him a shit ton in college. If he was like this in college, I know he played a ton in college. Um I would I say mean, that. but also do you do you know other NBA players who are like could go balls to the wall for thirty minutes in that way that he does? I mean Draymond did, right? I mean he still does for the most part. Um you know, yeah. I think that's one I would say I know Steph isn't Steph does that, I think too. I think obviously like LeBron when he was younger was a lot like that. Um you know, I think there's always players obviously and I wanna make this very clear. I am not saying that Obi Toppin is gonna become LeBron James or Steph Curry or even a Draymond level Just impact say player. he dude, he's he's a way better athlete than LeBron. Coward. Fuck <laughs> off. Um but like yeah, I mean I, I don't I don't think it's impossible that he could maybe not sustain it to the same degree, but that he can definitely play at a high energy effort level um, in, in more minutes if given the opportunity. I mean, only because when have we seen him not? You know, like, I guess, like, ultimately, I would always bet on him. I'd bet on any player to do the things that they are doing consistently if given the opportunity in more minutes. Um, See, so yeah, I mean, look, I just want to say, like, he was awesome tonight. He had 42 points. Um, you know, I think he had 42. He had, what, 10 rebounds or something? Like, he, he just – it was such a great game for him. And I'm just so happy for him because he's had to deal with – you know, he's had to put up with a lot of shit this year in terms of just, like, you know, people being so skeptical of him, Tibbs not trusting him, all kinds of things. It's just – it's just really nice to, to have him have that opportunity to close the season out the way he did. Um, and, and just like, you know, it, it was fun. Like I, I was just like really happy for him to, to get to show out and have, you know, two straight career high scoring performances. Um, you know, it was, it was cool and I'm just, I'm happy for it. So, um, you know, he was, uh, I, I did think it was, it was pretty cool. I thought he, uh, I know him and Barnes didn't match up a ton in the game because of, you know, Barnes sat a lot in the, in the second half and, the first half he got in foul trouble, but like, look, man, I, I tweeted this out, but like, I don't think, I think Barnes is a better prospect and all that shit, but it says something to me that their production this season, in terms of their rate stats, is so similar. Um, and it's because I don't think at this current point in time that if given the opportunity and minutes, I think OB might produce just as much as Barnes has offensively um, for getting the defense part of it. So it was just, it was cool to like see that um, and, and just see Obi have such a good game, all that kind of stuff. But um, look, it wasn't just Obi. Uh, quickly also had a monster game tonight. Uh, you know, I just, I was really happy with it. I think I've seen enough of quickly at this point to feel this. Um, I think, the Knicks should be comfortable with him being starting point guard next year. Um, 
I don't really have a desire to go get Jalen Brunson to to start and then move quickly back to the bench. Like I, I don't I don't think what what's that saying? The genie's out of the bottle or whatever. Like I don't think that you can I, I would be I don't know how it would play out if you go and get a Jalen Brunson or something and then you tell quickly he's coming off the bench and not just coming off the bench, but you're coming off the bench next to Derek Rose who is going to not only be the point guard, but you'll share duties, whatever. It doesn't really matter. I just think that would be a really tough sell for him. And I just, I don't see what the value of it is. Like trust what you're seeing, trust the data, trust the player at hand. I I think he should, unless there's some opportunity to acquire like a high, high end starting point guard, maybe like an all-star caliber point guard. I'm not that interested in, the options the Knicks could have available to them over quickly. I think he's shown enough for me that he needs to get a legitimate shot. Yeah, I mean, but going back to, I mean, someone like Jalen Brunson, it's not even just about being a point guard. It's also like what quickly, I mean, he has been much better at this, especially of late, but, what Cookie is never going to do is be someone who lives at the rim and finishes there at 70 plus percent. I mean, how, like, Brunson adds that, right? I mean, do would you, do you not think that's, his, do you think that's not a need for the Knicks at this point anymore? I mean, the I think it's a need. Just from quickness to, ta- just from like without a ball screen for the middle of the floor, you can't. I don't, get think, to the I, rim. Don't, I don't think he's that guy. He doesn't get, he, he gets to the rim without ball screens. When? Who is Jalen so Brunson all burning off the bounce? He, he does get there a lot more than he the does. Guards. He does get there a lot. He also plays next to Luca a lot, and he does. Play... Think that, but he but he also plays by himself, and he's their backup guard. Yeah, is, I, I, is I, don't, that, I, I would I, you attribute the whole of that to ancillary circumstances that would not? I, I don't think. I don't think teams are. Yeah, I I don't I don't think that he is like this. Just the way he penetrates to me, his the way he dribble penetrates. I don't think that's a player that is like collapsing defenses consistently. I love how you specified that it was. Yes, the way I had he to. Because I I had a feeling you might go there. Um, <laughs> I wasn't but, gonna go there until you specified. So. Yeah, but like I I don't think that I don't personally. And again, I'm not claiming that I've watched you know seventy hours of fucking Dallas Mavericks game tape this year. But, like, I don't think he collapses defenses even though he gets to the rim a lot. I don't think teams are crashing down on him. I don't think he's that very... I don't think he's, like, that impressive of a distributor. Not that he's bad, but I've I've seen more impressive flashing or passing flashes from quickly than I have from Brunson ever. I think that's not even, like, debatable to me. Um... I just don't care. Like, if you need to get somebody who's better at scoring at the rim and in the paint, that's fine. I, I, I do agree that's a need, but I am not bringing in Jalen fucking Brunson to start over quickly at this point. I think that's such a absurd, that would be such a slap in the face. Um, and, you know, like, uh, to your point, I'll say this. I was pretty impressed by some of the finishing we saw from Cam. Uh, when he was in his time with the Knicks, 
Obviously, Ovi is a great finisher. I think a lot of this just gets solved by RJ becoming more efficient as a finisher. That's the biggest thing. If RJ becomes more efficient as a finisher, I, I don't... Why would... Now I really don't want Brunson. Like, then to me, a player like Quickly is the ideal complement to what he is. So I think this conversation is... And I know you're not presenting it, but this is how people think. Like this, this is how Tibbs forces us to talk about this team. Is like everything is like these binary things. But really, I look at it and I'm like, if Quigley's your starting point guard, I think he plays almost an ideal style next to RJ Barrett. You think Quickly start plays an ide- ideal style or identical? Sorry. Ideal. Yeah, I would agree with that. Um, but if we're not getting Brunson, what are we doing this offseason? I mean, is it like, is Brunson like LeBron James or something? Well, I mean, would you get Sexton? Do we need a, if you love, you love Deuce, right? That's, well, but, but the point wouldn't, with Sexton, it's not just the fact that he's a point guard, it's a, a talent. I mean, because that, that's where I'm at. It was like, on one hand, like, I am with you that we don't need a quote-unquote point guard. With what quickly has shown, I still very much believe in Deuce. And I think people are like, oh, my God, he's 26% from three. I was like, look, watch him shoot. And shut the fuck up. But, um, you know, and watch his track record and and watch and like look at the advanced stats of his projections. He's not a, he's not a bad shooter. He's a, he's a shooter with a capital S. Um, but if you could add someone with talent like Brunson or Sex, I think adding talent on good deals should not be out of the question. So my question to you would be if, you know, are there better values to be had on the wing market? I think the wingers are the big thing. I think I am more inclined than you to say I would give Julius, or sorry, not Julius Randall. Uh, maybe that's a Freudian slip. Mitchell Robinson, four for 50 or four for 55. Um, but, you know, so assuming that's the case, are there wings you would target? Like, what would you, like, besides just, I think we all just would dump the vets, but what is, like, your objective with this offseason? Uh, my objective is to put the young players in this team in position to do the heavy lifting. That's it. That's my goal. This season. So even right. if you're selling Randall, Fournier, Noel, Burks, I don't think all the vets need to go. I mean, so you you think I think you've talked about this. One of Burks and Fournier, right? Yeah, one of those I would keep to one go. too. Um, Randall has to go, right? Obviously. Randall has to go more than anybody else in this roster. He needs to go. Noel has to go. Noel can fuck off. I don't give a shit about him. Kemba is going from everything they said. Kemba is he might he should retire. Um, that would be nice. that'd be great. So okay, so but so would you would you trade Noel to be clear or yes, hundred percent, like no question. And Rose, uh, if you're not bringing in a point guard, then I would probably keep Rose. But I mean, it sounds like your preference would be trade them for draft picks. Uh yeah, draft picks. If you bring if you bring other vets in, you give you know Tibbs that you give him that impulse. You know it's tough. So do not bring whiskey to an alcoholic, right? So, okay. Yeah, I mean this is but like this is why the front office this is on them. They're sticking with this coach. 
So I don't care how hard it is or what. I don't give a fuck. That's their problem. They're the ones sticking with him. Because a normal coach would probably just be like, I'm going to start quickly a point guard over Alec Burks. That's what a normal coach would do. Um, we don't have a normal coach. We have Tibbs. So, like, all of the strengths he provides are real, but then he also has these exaggerated weaknesses that are, like, so debilitating in a lot of ways for a front office. But if the front office is sticking with him, that's on them. That's on them. I can't – I don't know. I, it is hard. It'll be hard for them to make the trades that I would like to, to like for them to make. But that's their fucking problem. I don't give a shit with the if it's hard. Oh, well, Tibbs might play that guy. Okay, then fire him. If, you, if, if that's that much of a concern, then fucking fire him. If not, that's your fucking problem then. You just have to deal with it because you're choosing to keep him. So I don't really give a shit if it'll be a tough. They just they have to get it done. Simple as that to me. So, I mean, to be clear, though, would you prefer to trade for vets and, like, long shot players or draft and stash, or would you prefer to get other vets back in return? Uh, I mean, I would prefer to get, like, a wing, at least. To some degree, um, so like anyway, I, I mean, we've talked about Hayward a bunch before. Um, I'm not sure what his obviously, he's injured, he's gonna miss the playing games again. He's been god knows how many injuries he's had over the last few years, but like, I think he's a really interesting player. Like, when he's on the court, I think he would actually be awesome with this team with the young guys. Um, but he's not on the court, he's never on the court, so I'm not sure. Um, I like, uh, I've been looking a little bit into Jalen Noel on the Timberwolves. Um, uh, I think he'd be an he interesting killed us. <laughs> he did. Uh, he, I think he'd be a really interesting player to target. He's got a very solid scoring, uh, skill set. Um, he's obviously younger. Uh, I think he'd be interesting. He's more of a two guard though. The big thing is uh, the Knicks really need bigger wings, so that's like a that's and but those are the hardest players to acquire um, because teams love big wings. I mean that's why. I well, thought, we acquired one. Right, exactly, and that's and that's why I thought like even though I didn't love Cam Reddish as a prospect or a player, just from the type of player he was, I thought it was a really shrewd move in that sense. And also, like I was, I think that's a part of the reason why NBA teams have consistently been high on his potential, even though he's been a pretty infuriating player over the last two or three years, um, is like, ultimately, he is a 6'9 wing with the fluidity and agility. Like, he's what you dream up of in the lab in a lot of ways, right? So, um, yeah, I, I'm not sure, like, you know, Harrison Barnes would be an interesting player, but to your point about Tibbs, like, if you get Harrison Barnes, is he really going to bring him off the bench behind Obi? Probably not. He'll probably start him over Obi. Um, these are the type of, like, they need to find big wings, though, tall wings. Um, that's definitely, to me, a much bigger need than point guard. Yeah, um, and I, I would agree. And I think that most of the draft prospects in their range um, are that level of, it's, it's kind of a double bonus because if, you know, guys like Tara Eason or Jeremy Sochan are not day one ready, but they are these six nine, seven two wingspan guys with freak athleticism. You don't think guard. you don't think Eason is ready? Um, no, <laughs> not to play serious minutes on this. Not like serious minutes, but I'm saying like 
No, I look at. I mean, 12, who, are, who, am I playing, who am I playing him over on the Knicks? At well, let's four, say you trade not, Burks. What? Let's say you trade Burks and you trade Noel and you trade Randall. Yeah. So then Obi is starting, and, and, just, and just assume that like whatever the Knicks acquire in return is effectively, you know, they're all. Am I, I, the question Dwayne is: Am Bacon. I sh- am I sure that am I sure that Obi or Tari at the four is better than Cam Reddish at the four next year. I'm not but sure about that. You can play them together, right? Like they could play as I could also play four. RJ next to Cam. You can. You can do a lot of things though. But I'm saying I like play Grimes at but, the three. But, but my question is like like do you really like you don't think Eason could come in next year and just be like, hey, just don't suck it up in like twelve to I think minutes the lineups I-, I mentioned, you know, Cam next to RJ or RJ Grimes Cam next to each other, or Grimes at the three and RJ or Cam at the four. I think those will be more appealing than Eason or any rookie, even Keegan Murray. So I, I think if you draft Keegan Murray or Eason or someone like so that, so you're Tom Thibodeau. I don't think I am. I think. <laughs> well, no, actually, I think Tom Thibodeau would be more likely to play those guys. Because I actually really want to see more of RJ and Cam at the four. That's my point, I guess. Because like when he's been forced to try those lineups, they're really good. Because for all of the faults Cam has as a health defender, his length, and especially when you play him with other long guys and they can just trap and try to force steals, and like Cam isn't asked to do the read and react stuff, like he's really good at that. And RJ is really good at the four. And you have Deuce quickly Grimes McBride or Grimes and McBride yeah quickly Grimes McBride that can play up a position yeah like I think that that's um I would I, I would see that and then have Eason be the guy that's like all right you're our prototype but you're also I mean he's still figuring out his offense you know he so yeah so to talk about Eason specifically he would be he would be one of the Knicks' best defenders off the bat, but he still doesn't have a go to like he is more. He's like a poor man's Obi as an offensive player. He runs the floor hard. He has amazing hands, great body control, can handle well enough for a big guy that big. But the shot is still iffy. He's not really an ISO scorer. Um, Obi was a better passer than him in college, so it's like. You know, let him marinate and come in situationally off of those guys, but I wouldn't expect him to be the guy that like changes their outlook on having six foot seven wings with a seven three wingspan next year. I think in time he could be, and that's why I'd still obviously be very much a fan of these and pick. Okay, interesting. Um, yeah, look, I just I mean to go back to the initial point though, like. I would probably, I mean, this is part of it. Like, I just think finding a big wing or like th- these are more, even I, I argue this, I argue upgrading a starting center is a more pressing concern at this point in time than, yeah, I disagree with that. Than, than, than quickly. Like, I, I just don't care. I mean, I, I mean, maybe more than quickly, but I, I don't think upgrading starting. I think we have a starting center who has his limitations. I also think we have the, proper personnel to surround him with and I would rather him than like Daniel Gafford who's like oh my god he can do stuff at offense yeah but he's not Mitchell fucking Robinson on offense 
or oh, sorry, on defense. And neither are most of these offensive centers. And I don't care because like they don't give a shit on defense and they can't block shit. They can't fucking contest on the perimeter the same way you can. And they can't do um Is Mitch really things. contesting on the perimeter a bunch this year? More than a like when we say he's not as good at it, we're talking about him versus some ideal we construct our minds. Watch like, other that's centers. Part, no, watch other that's, centers. Watch I other do. centers. I do. And they're them. not as good as him. And they're also not as good as him at the rim. And they're not as good defense rebounders. All like, he does like, is at the rim. Oh, that's the only thing he does. I don't care that he, he shoots. How many yeah, shots a game does he take? How many shots a game does Mr. Robinson take? Six? I don't care. No, I'm talking about defense right now, first of all. I'm talking about the fact that he's an elite defensive center. On offense, I don't, I, I, how many centers? How many centers in the NBA would you say are better on defense than Mitchell Robinson? Less than ten, for sure. So, but that so that's elite to you. That's elite to, I would, like, I, to me. I mean, I, I maybe think, maybe we're arguing semantics because to me, elite is like you are consistently being mentioned. Is he a better in, defensive center than Jared Allen to you? No, absolutely not. Uh, I disagree with that, so maybe that's... I mean, the Cavs have literally collapsed without Jared Allen. They can't stop a chair. Yeah, I think Jared Allen gets to play with Evan Mobley, and... Evan Mobley has played I've, without Jared Allen. I think Allen. Jared Allen is a better player than Mitchell Robinson because of the offense. On defense, though, no, I wouldn't put him over Mitchell Robinson. They had a better defense this year until he got hurt. Yeah, but, I mean, that's not a... And they If you put Mitchell Robinson on that team, I don't think I think they would be just as good. I think they'd be better because Mitchell Robinson is a better perimeter defender even now, and he is probably a better rim protector. And uh, Jared Allen is miles better on offense, and that does matter. I'm not saying it doesn't. We're talking about giving the guy twelve or thirteen million a year, or questioning whether you'd pay Miles Turner twenty million, like. That's a yeah. I'll pay Mitch. Give him Mitch is not. He, he's not a serious player to me. Like I'll pay him. If, that's that's if, if the, that if the, if is the a determination like, for the front office to make. If, I'm the, talking if about, the Knicks, if the Knicks, um, what I've seen him, on the floor, what I've seen on the floor, the impact he has, that's worth twelve million dollars to me. Yeah, it's worth that twelve million dollars. But like, if, if that's what he is, then I don't really give a shit. Like. Would I prefer to keep Mitchell Robinson than let him walk for nothing? Yeah, absolutely. Like, but what if we if the, if the Knicks a... can't if the Knicks can't upgrade at center and they have to keep Mitch? Like, I'm fine with that. I'm not gonna like be super upset about it. But to me, you cannot win a championship if he is your starting. Like, forget winning a championship. You can't win around in the playoffs. I don't think. I mean, the, the Heat won with Joel Anthony. He was not the starting center when they won. Uh, at least the first year it was. They didn't win the championship. No, not with. But he was the the he was the center when they beat um OKC. No, Bosch started at the five. That was the entire thing. Okay, but he, Joel Anthony was on the roster. Okay, they had LeBron fucking James. Do we have LeBron James? Do we have Dwayne Wade? Do we have Chris? No, Bosch? but you said you can't win him with a. a that was ten years ago. Look at the league now. Look at the last five. He's look at the last five, Look at the last five champions. Look at the last five champions. Tell me any single one of them. That had a five that was that limited, at, in offensively, that that could not do anything other than finish at the rim. And I guess I'm not convinced that you need an offensive five. I don't think you need an offensive five. I think you need a five that can do a little bit more than Mitchell Robinson offensively. Like I, I think need- that'd be ideal. I don't think you need it. And I also think the fact that 
Mitchell Robinson is probably better than all of the fives that, I mean, who are the five? Like, so last year, so I think he's a better defender than Brook Lopez. Unless you consider Giannis, do you consider Giannis their five or no? I mean, Brook is their five, and Giannis can play at the five. And Portis, I'm gonna give, five. I'm gonna go with Brook, and I think Mitch is better than him. He's not better than on AD. defense, right? Yeah. Okay, I think Brook is a lot better against somebody like Joel Embiid than Mitchell ever will be. Uh, I don't think anyone is good against Joel Embiid. Okay, but that, that's not that's not the point. I think Mitch is better than against Anthony Davis, or like um, you know. Uh, against Nicholas Claxton. Against Nicholas Claxton? That's funny or, because well, Brookwood did great against Nicholas Claxton last year. Um, I mean, Brooke, like, the thing is, you're reducing it to I mean, defense, but like, Brook spreads the floor. So, like, I can live with him not being Mitchell Robinson on defense. If, like, if Mitchell Robinson yeah, could... Yeah, but does he... I mean, he shoots, like, anything 30, outside the paint? shoot from three, though? Like, he's 35%. Yeah, but he he's not a non-shooter. Like, he can do it. Like, it's not like... So you like, think Mitchell I mean, Robinson is, is better? So Mitchell, no, so I, I want to get this straight. Mitchell Robinson is better than Brooke Lopez was last year. That's what you think. That is what I think, yeah. That's crazy like, to me. Like, I honestly don't even understand that. He's a bad fit next to Giannis. I'll give you that. But, like... I think he, I think the majority of teams... And I'm, not, I'm not talking about, like, who would you rather have because of a... I'm just saying, in the moment, in the current moment, who is a better player? Like... Like and we could say, Mitch yeah, that's year. that's Mitch to me a hundred percent. I think, in fact, the other part of it is like who's a better fit with more teams. You might have a better argument with Brooke there, especially when you talk about contenders. But who's a better player? The more Mitch limits player? your Mitch limits what you can do with your roster construction because you absolutely have to prioritize shooting at other positions because he yeah, but most lives are like that. And then but I think I would argue that. But by the, the way, ball. by the way, if Brooke. If you have Brook at center, you need to prioritize the rest of your roster construction as well. You need In to switch up will help wings. By the way, Brook is when did Brook do well? Oh, coincidentally, he played next to the most switchable, unique, awesome defender maybe that we've seen since Hakeem Olajuwon. That's who Giannis is. So yeah, like don't tell me that you don't have to construct an optimal lineup around Brook. I think Brook is not somebody you need to Construct optimal lineups around. He's been a much, be that good. He's been a much better. He's been a, hold, on, hold, on. hold on, he's been a much better player in his career than Mitchell fucking Robinson is. That's different. That's not. No, what no, I'm it's saying. not different. It's not That's different. Not what I'm it's saying. not. You know, it's not, not different. Saying. It's not different because what you are saying is Brook Lopez has these limitations that Mitch has, and therefore no, like, I they have different limitations. Yes, that's why I understand that. What I'm saying is he has limitations just like Mitch has limitations. They are different limitations, but he has limitations just like Mitch has, and therefore, uh, you know, he needs to be optimized. And you, this guy was a fucking all star before he ever got to Milwaukee. Don't care. Yeah, that's yeah. It doesn't matter if you don't care. It doesn't matter if you don't care. That's not the point. The point isn't if, if you somebody care or not. fucking takes a dump on the court in Brooklyn, they'll get all star. Right? Everybody's rooting for this. Okay, team. he was like a twenty They're and ten guy. He was like a twenty. He was a legit efficient twenty points per game scorer. Ten guy this year. He was an efficient 20-point-per-game scorer for years. Like, this is not the same cat. We're not talking about the same No, but here. what I'm talking about is you're talking about the fit, and you're saying in terms of Julius Randle. You have R.J. Barrett. What the hell do you need with R.J. Barrett? Do you need a five that literally does can't set a good screen? He won't set a good screen, never creates separation for the ball handler with the screen, 
and constantly is just at the rim. That's just he is at the rim all the time because he can't. He has no effectiveness anywhere else. How is that the guy that we're like? Got like again? I would keep Mitch in almost any scenario this offseason because ultimately I don't think unless you can get DeAndre Ayton, I don't see another five that. Could that's what. That's where I'm at too. Potentially, that, that is my exact opinion. Even though I agree with a lot of your consternations. I just think that, like, like when I say it's a bigger, like, I think the threshold for you're in a conference with Giannis, you're in a conference with Joel Embiid, you are in a conference with these, like, you look at who are the three best players in the NBA right now. Arguably, it's who Giannis, Giannis Embiid, Embiid Jokic. Jokic, yeah, like, like, you need you need somebody in the front court. You need a center or a power forward or somebody, some gigantic human being that can – are you going to get somebody who's as good as these guys? Obviously not. Like that's ridiculous to expect that. But you need somebody who can be on the floor with them and and challenge them in ways that, that Mitch simply cannot. And fundamentally – and not just Mitch. This is not just Mitch, by the way. This is like, you know, like to your point, Gafford or like – how many of these, there's like, the majority of centers are like these very limited guys, right? So like, this is not just a criticism of Mitch or anything. But like, you need guys that are capable of doing more just to be on the floor consistently long enough to provide value in ways uh, to match up with these guys. And like, to me, Mitch is never going to be that guy. So I would just constantly be on the lookout for opportunities to upgrade at that position. That doesn't mean, like, does that mean you should punt him? And then, you know, like, I don't think it makes sense to start from square one because Mitch is, I don't know, I haven't really done a ranking of centers in my mind, but he's like somewhere between probably, I don't know, 12 and 15 or something, if I was thinking about it. Yeah, we had had the Discord chat on this, man. Yeah, I think it was like, I, I think that's where I ended up on it. So I don't think he's like some terrible shitty player, um, and I do admit that I am often really critical of him in a way because probably it's it's familiarity breeds contempt. Um, so you know it is what it is. I mean everything uh, breeds contempt with you, Schwinn. I will true. add on on that note. Um, yeah, I, I I will add on that note. I think with with. Mitch, I think the equation changes a little bit because of the rest of the roster. And the fact that I think that if they do lean into the young guys, which maybe it's a remote thing, um, you know, a rim protector next to, like, you know, if you're putting out lineups with IQ, RJ, Grimes, OB, right, They a, a rim protector next to that would work pretty well, especially since they can all shoot. So, um, you know, I think that might help his value a little bit. Yeah, I, I just, um, I just want to say, like with Mitch, like I'm really critical of the times because I expected, I, I, it's probably a prisoner of like expecting more from him. Um, like I, I mean, I've vocalized this throughout the year. Like I've been really, really disappointed with him this season, um, and I expected a lot more from him. And so. It's just kind of been really disappointing to see he's effectively the same player he was previously. 
Um, maybe I think he's probably a bit of a better offensive rebounder now, just because he's a little bit stronger. But like screen setting, ball handling, understanding of reading the game on both ends. Like I think he's effectively not really progressed at all this year, and that's really disappointing. But like what he and this is where you're right. Like the things he is good at, he is really really good at, and he is an elite rim protector, and he is more switchable out onto the perimeter than most bigs, even if he's not as switchable as he was once upon a time. Um, I also have really big injury concerns with him. Just the way he moves and stuff, he like really concerns me. I I, I can't shake it. Uh, I think Tom Piccolo tweeted it, maybe. If, I don't know. I, he might have mentioned it. I think he mentioned it on the... Isn't it funny next... that Tom Piccolo rhymes with Tom Thibodeau? It is funny. Maybe they're the same person. Uh, but he mentioned it, I think, on a pod, on, on the Knicks Film School pod that he did with Macri about how, like, Mitch is always kind of, like, hobbling around and stuff. And I just, yeah, that that's why I'm always, like, you know, what you know in Jurassic Park where he's, like, I'm, I'm always on the lookout for a future, uh, a future Mrs. Malcolm, um, an ex-Mrs. Malcolm. That's, like, I'm always on the lookout for another center at this point. Uh, and I guess, like, I still have a lot, I have a lot of faith in quickly. Like, I think what we've seen from him this year is not, as a future center? Yes, as a future center. But, like, that's what, like, as a point guard. <laughs> he is like our that, best room protector. That's true. So. But, like, I, that's why I kind of think, like, him a point guard is just something I can see that. Like, I can see him developing and progressing into a starting caliber point guard that you can have in a lineup that you can contend with. Um, and I think his game is so flexible and scalable in different ways that even if he doesn't develop into, like, a star himself, he can, it's, it's easy to see him in a role next to stars that you would acquire in other ways. Um, whereas with Mitch, I'm just like, I kind of just think this is what he is now, which is not bad, but it's also not somebody I'm convinced that you can contend with, um, or compete with, however you want to phrase it. And that ultimately, like, we're far away from contention, but like, the goal is always that, right? So like, you should always be trying to acquire players with that on your mind. And so for me, when I look at Mitch, I'm like, he's a player who is good and is going to have a long NBA career and probably an effective one. But he's also somebody that if I'm the Knicks, I would be actively open to the idea of upgrading from, which is not to like, and to your point, like versatility and having skills doesn't mean a player is better or more effective. Like Nikola Vucevic can do a ton of things. I'm, would not want him over Mitchell Robinson. That's just me. Like, maybe I know Arturis Karnasov is right disagrees with me, but like that, to, that that and that just like speaks to your point. Like to me, Brooke is a little bit different because I think he is actually a really good defensive player. Um, but yes, I, I do understand where you're coming from, even if I don't necessarily see it exactly the same way with as it pertains to Mitch. Um, but yeah, that's just where I'm at with it, I guess. Uh, all right. Well, Stacey, I know you have to get going. Uh, is there anything that you'd like to plug before you get out of here? No. Um, more draft content coming on the Strickland Follow Presidente and Draft Film School and me. I know I, I I have my little moments too. Uh, um, let me take my victory lap on Bowen's Highland right now because I was <laughs> right on him. Um, I think that when it comes to weird six three combo guards who are good pull-up shooters like him and quickly 
I'm good at spotting those. If I was as good at that as everything else, maybe I'd. <laughs> well, um, you know, uh, follow the draft, follow the Shukin for draft coverage, and thanks for a great season. You know, uh, thanks for everyone for listening to us. Um, you know, it's been a fun year. Uh, well, it's been a disappointing year, but everyone on draft Twitter and at the Knicks Twitter has made it so much fun. Uh, thanks, Schwinn. You know, it's been really a blessing to do this pod with you. And uh, yeah, um, yeah, I, uh, yeah, it's been it's been a lot of fun, um, even through a miserable season. And I gotta say, it's like a lot of it is it's kind of like therapeutic to have this podcast to just like yell about the Knicks um, and then move on with my life, but not really because I just keep yelling about the Knicks. Um, but yeah, it's been really fun doing it this year. Uh, Mostly with Prez, but even with you, you're fine. You're good. Uh, no, it's been it's been a good good season. Uh, enjoyed doing the pod with you, and uh, you know, obviously, we're not stopping. We keep going, keep going. I'm really excited to not talk about the Knicks, though. I gotta admit that. Like, I am so pumped to just like watch non Knicks basketball and be able to just make fun of other teams and shit on them through the playoffs and. Hopefully we get like I would. I just really want to see a Suns Bucks rematch. That's that's my hopes uh, for the playoffs, and that Brooklyn somehow loses both playing games. That'd be fantastic. Um, but oh, also I'm really looking forward to this Bucks Bulls series. It's going to be awesome. Poro um, pumped. Yeah, I'm so pumped to watch this shit. It's going to be fucking fantastic. Uh, but. That is our pod for today. Uh, I hope everybody has a great week. And I will see everybody on Friday. You know when you're listening to a true crime story that has an unbelievable plot twist that makes you stop in your tracks? That's what our podcast, People Are the Worst, brings you with each episode. I'm Rachel. And I'm Rebecca. We're identical twins who love true crime cases that make you say, didn't see that coming, and we hate the people responsible for them. Listen to People Are the Worst now on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts.